Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Now, Tamara is just about over on the board. SP features up 2, NASA features down 14. Now, features up 42, so we have a, a muted morning, a muted morning after yesterday's really huge sell-off, especially in the, uh, in the, in the NASDAQ. For those who, uh, want to relive the happy to- unhappy totals, the Dow was down 176, but that didn't tell the tale. S&P down 67 is 1.5%. NASDAQ down 381, 2.5%. Uh, that's where we are. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good morning. Um, I am here to, um, as they say in the uh, in the intro, uh, represent the idiocy of today. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, market down a bunch yesterday, and uh, if you guys will indulge me for a couple of seconds, I, the uh, as we are entering the new year here, and um, again, I will, I will not give any invest, investment advice, although I hope it's a little bit of common sense that. The bane of the retail investor. How's that? Without insulting anybody, is that okay? Okay. Uh, um, I think when you when you when I have a bunch of people I've been talking to because this time of the year we do reviews of all the, you know, pretty much everybody's account, and it's always uh, I use the term interesting, um, but 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 some of the things that, that sometimes I think people need to do, not have to do, but need to do, is on your. To to uh, rebalance portfolios or to balance portfolios it is really is really counterintuitive when you think about it. Some, I mean, a real simple example: if uh, say Kevin, you dropped a you know there, say there were no indexes, right? Of course there are. Uh, if you were to drop a million bucks in my lap and say we should really manage this, but I want to have like a diversified thing. Okay, how diversified do you want to get? Well, it's, it's pretty hard to put Amazon and those other things in there. If you're diversified, because they're so darn high, I mean, you can buy partial shares now, but then it's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to hedge those if you want to use options at all. But anyway, but say, say you want to say, well, let's pick ten really good companies, and, and you can just you can just hear the the, the the bleeps on TV giving you pick strong companies, strong earnings, strong management, solid dividend, you know, the usual crap, and then say, okay, okay, name me five of those. Well, there therein lies the, the rub, right? But let's say, for instance. We we decide the portfolio wants to be ten stocks. It's probably not enough, but let's keep it simple. And uh, we we put a hundred thousand bucks in each one of the ten stocks. And he's going to be high cap. You're not going to do that in a small stock. But say we do, and uh, we're in there. And at the end of the year, we have a good year, and we're up you know ten percent, whatever it is, on a, on a normal year. That's pretty damn good. So we're up ten percent, and we got a few dividends. Well, if you look at the portfolio at the end of the year, you're not going to have a hundred thousand in ten stocks. I mean, rarely. I mean, I guess there could be a year like that, like the, the entire left side of the parlay card winning, but it's, it's not going to happen. 
So some stock might be worth 175. You might have four or five that are clunks and are worth 75. But you're, you're going to end up kind of all over the block. But if you, if you quote rebalance, it means that, wait a minute, now, now we've got a million one. Now maybe we're going to be smart enough. We're going to, well, the 11 stacks at a hundred thousand dollars stack. Well, there isn't a stack in there that's a hundred thousand. Some are lower, some are higher. What it ends up making you do, if you, if you, if you stick with your own plan, it's not, again, this wouldn't be my plan. This would be our plan or your plan. If you stick with your own plan, it, it, it means that you essentially have to lighten up on the winners and either pick new stacks or invest a little more and quote the losers from last year. But people are very, very resistant to selling out their winners. Even if like the one is doubled. Okay, so it's doubled. It's your winner. Now it's worth 200,000. But now wait a minute. We, we agreed a year ago that if your account's a million bucks, 200,000 in any one stack is too much. Well, yeah, I know that, but it's my winner. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that people are dumbos. They're not. It's very counterintuitive to, to sell your winners and buy essentially more of the losers or something else. Yet that's really what you sort of have to do because the winners very rarely, and everybody can pick the stacks that are, but count them on one hand, it basically outperform every single year. Uh, and usually they have some, you know, some story with them with the government or whatever, but there are some stacks like that, but it's kind of hard to pick 10 or 15 or 20. And it, it, it gets, you know, it's not easy to do. People fall in love with their winners. So when you have a day like yesterday, uh, um, cha- changing, oh, um, veering off of your plan in the quality management world is um, is an example of tampering. Yeah, and what that means is uh, that if you keep reacting to uh, individual events, you know, rather than uh, uh, sticking to your plan. Now, if your plan's not good, your plan's not good. You, get, you know, you, you need to scrap it. Um, you know, there, there's always that that part, but. If you have an, an improvement plan and you believe in it and it's helping, you cannot fly off the handle every time you see a data point that's, you know, that's anomalous, that's not part of the plan. Uh, because when you do, you, you're, you're likely to make things worse. Over the long haul, you're likely to make your systems worse. And, uh, and, and that would be your investment system as well. Well, yeah, and I, I think, uh, and I have several people that I, you know, I'm talking to. When I say I'm talking to, we're talking about how their portfolios perform. I'm going to say Apple is by far our biggest holding. Now, with good reason. It's been a, ris- a winner forever. But I've got a few guys that have accounts that are, you know, six, seven million bucks, and two million of it is in, you know, Apple, NVIDIA, Google, and, uh, you know, uh, maybe even Tesla. And you sit there and go, wait a minute. I mean, if you, if you just started out on a blank page, and you have a $7 million account, we would never put $2 million in four stacks, no matter how good we happen to think they are. Yeah, but they're winners. They're my best stacks. But it's it's not it's not about that. I mean, and, but you end up something in oil, because all this other stuff's up so much. And, uh, of course, the oil was a, was a clunker. Went from, the XLE went from 35 to 28, and it was like never moving. It was like dead money. So you couldn't, you couldn't pry anybody's nickel into the XLE. Well, now, of course... The XLE has gone up every stinking day. It's trading 63, and every spot of new money I get, I want to be in oil. And and it, you end up with the, the you know, sort of the you know the, the bane of the, like I said the bane of the retail investor. You buy it because it's going up, and you sell it because it's going down. And you 
so there's a, there are times, especially in indexes, where you want the flip side of that trade. I mean, if I would have put everybody's money in oil last year, I wouldn't have had to do anything all year because <laughs> all the thing did was go up, right? I mean, 28 to 63 in an index is a massive move. And uh, for those who don't know, the XLE is, uh, there's, uh, well, there used to be nine little indexes that added up to the S&P 500. There was the healthcare and whatever. And I think the, there was the XLF used to be REITs and banks, and I think the REITs part split off. So there's, I think there's 10 now, but don't, don't hold me to that. But if you had, a, so if you wanted to say overweight oil and had, you know, two million bucks, you could put a million eight in the S&P 500 and another 200,000 into XLE. I'm not saying you should, but you could. And instead of being one tenth oil, you're like two tenths oil or something. I mean, you, you, you could do that. Or conversely, if you wanted to, if you wanted to sneak one out of there, I suppose you could buy all S&P and, and short the XLE, but I've never done that with anybody. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but you, you could. So you, you can actually, uh, you know, overweight and underweight different indices or different sectors of the economy real easy just using the, uh, the, the little, the little spiders. They add up to the big spider. So, cause if you add all those 10 together, you end up with the, with the S&P 500. Um, does that make sense? I mean, it, it's, I don't know how many people know that, but a little. But of course, there's there's, there's a bazillion. There's no into the news. What? There's, there's actual news today. Yeah. Oh, God, There's all kinds of news. Where do you want to start? There's all kinds of news. Well, I, I think we should we should um, we should probably follow the lead of MSNBC because I okay. I always like to check them out when there's big news in the morning. So I check them out in the morning and uh, and see what they're discussing in their in their first half hour. And it, it seems to me that uh, Kevin McCarthy's contradictory statements are the lead. Uh, Novak Djokovic uh, um, getting, de- you know, uh, denied his uh, uh, special visa was the second thing for another 10 minutes. And then they uh, were ready in the second half hour to launch into uh, um, Olympics and COVID. So apparently those are the big news items of the day. Right, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Biden's uh, um, stunning defeats yesterday <laughs> uh, really were not. Um, but man, we, we talked about this a couple yeah. of days ago. He got his wings clipped seriously. And as I told you, I thought I, I thought the smart move for him would have been to withdraw the case before the Supreme Court decided, um, because uh, it, it wasn't just a matter of losing the case, uh, but they they also. You know, really define some limits. Gorsuch, in his uh, um, his concurrence, uh, wrote a lot about this. The idea that we really, really do not want to create any more than we already have a fourth branch of government, that being the administrative state. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think, from the Biden administration standpoint, well, the smart move would have been to not have that clarified right now. I didn't read that. that they, you know, they can they can find a different test case for it. Define but it. Um, you know, that's that's not the way they roll. So uh, so that's what happened. But I, I am I am glad that the uh, um, vac- uh, the OSHA mandate was overturned. Um, I think that was uh, completely appropriate and completely obvious. Kevin, what was the what was the the vote? Six three, um, and now when Gorsuch uh, said that, how does he define the administrative state? Oh, all all of the people we've been bitching about all along, <laughs> the the, uh, uh, the agencies in in the uh, in the government. 
but uh, you know, it's it's beyond the executive branch. It's it's all the agencies and the agencies making the rules rather than Congress making the rules and turning them over to the agencies. Um, what so I it, it, it's, it, we're, we're a long way past that, and we. Uh, but that that was really a signal for uh, uh, future. Uh, cases that are going to go in front of this court that maybe they're going to start clipping those wings a little bit. Well, uh, when 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 you say administrative, there was no mention, and I don't expect you to read the whole damn thing, there's, was there any mention of essentially using big companies to do your dirty work for you? Uh, I don't think, I, I don't remember any such wording. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, uh, that's a self-sided uh, rendition of, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it is, it is, uh, economically, uh, it is, it is exceptionally Nazi-esque, by the way. Or not, or, or fascist. I won't say Nazi-esque. I already did, but it's essentially fascist because the economic system that we're, we're getting here, um, is very close to the fascist economic system, which is essentially two or three or four major companies in every industry with their nose up the ass of government. And if you do that, it's very easy to make those people do your dirty work for you. It comes with the territory, I think. But it's real easy to push Facebook around when there's only one Facebook and they and they want to stay one Facebook. Which they do. And all the Well and, and that they, they don't want to uh, um, they don't want to be regulated either. Or or they do in a in a very benign fashion. Well it, yeah, you know what I, I as I say that that's it, it is true that the right kind of regulation for them is going to make it harder for comp- competition to, to Grow up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the the um, see, rules are only a problem for the people who intend to follow them, but rules are also only uh, uh, are a bigger problem for people who can't afford the cost of compliance. I'll give you an example. And, and a startup company is not uh, is typically not positioned to afford the cost of compliance. I'll give you an example. The uh, Civil Aeronautics Bureau. I learned this from uh, Father Fitzgerald at Notre Dame. Civil Aeronautics Bureau. Uh, was started in what, 1930 something something? 1920 something? 1930, a long time ago. Yeah, a long, yeah, a long time ago. And, uh, in the aviation, would you say somewhat grew between whenever they started to, say, 1975? I think the industry grew some. Not one new airline was licensed in those entire period of times. The guys in there, they could take care of it. They had enough. We don't need anybody else. And uh, only, only with the huge, Movement to deregulate things in the early seventies, which essentially caused the CBOE to be made, caused the uh, trucking to, to not have paperwork, and caused you know freedom to go where you want to go on airlines. Before then, Southwest Air was an intrastate airline in Texas, right? They couldn't they couldn't bust out of Texas until was it nineteen seventy five? So the idea of you, this whole thing about regulators regulating people that's where that's where Arthur Anderson. Was after being in a regulated industry for so long, your regulator, if you're big enough in the system, your regulator blocks you from the justice system, essentially, unless you're ridiculously uh, screwed up. They block you from the justice system. Some of the stuff that that that, that people who have done in in my industry, the things that the regulators block or let go, are felonies. I mean, in my mind, when they steal over hundred bucks, a felony, right, or something like that. The Arthur Anderson. The accounting the accounting firms never wanted a regulator, and I'm sure they're the most brilliant people. I mean, a lot of brilliant accountants. They're so damn dumb they should have realized that a regulator insulates you from the Justice Department. So when Arthur Anderson had that problem with was Enron, right? 
if, if, if there was a regulator, they got a, they would have got a slap on the fanny, a fine, uh, you know, without admitted, admitting or denying anything, they'd had a three million dollar fine and they'd, they'd have gone on. But without having a regulator, you're in the justice. They might have even had a thirty million dollar fine yeah. or more, but uh, uh, but yeah. nevertheless, they could have afforded it. Yeah, it would have it would have been you know a, a tenth of what they made by, by putting out bad reports for people. It, you know, it, it, but in, instead they ended up with a, with, a, with, a, with a felony, and there was some rule on the book somewhere from God knows when that you couldn't be a CPA firm if you were convicted of a felony. The firm got convicted of a felony. That would would never happen in a regulated industry. With, with all the crap, Goldman Sachs and Maryland, all the fines these people have paid through all the years, not one of them has ever been convicted of a felony. It's a fine without admitting or denying something, right? Yep. So I. Well, then, then there's the other big news: the uh, the idea that uh, um, the uh, Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin once again stood up and said, "No, we are not going to vote to." Uh, eliminate, I hate to call it the filibuster. The, I, I, really, it's the cloture process. Many of you saying they, they stood up and said they weren't going to do that, um, even though the president actually went to Capitol Hill to lobby everybody. Um, it just—it's not going to happen. Um, and, and I think that's wise. I think Cinema said it right. Um, what that does is it keeps uh, it keeps uh, policy from lurching back and forth. Uh, every time there's a new uh, uh, a new administration, well, I have a quick uh, question, and then I want to. You have to have a, a, a real uh, a real mandate, a real you know sixty percent of the Senate um, uh, on one side or the other, and, and even that I, I wouldn't necessarily call a mandate. Um, but no. in the meantime, uh, if you need sixty votes to have culture, then you, you damn well better come up with uh, policies that the other. Uh, um, the other side can live with. You better negotiate it, and that's not what they wanted to happen. Hey, what do you got? You were saying? Well, I was just, I was just, uh, I had one of those days yesterday where I was meeting after meeting after meeting, so I was really kind of head down, and I felt like I missed the whole markets thing, and I missed the news of the day. You, you said at the top, you felt like Biden got his wings clipped, and I missed. Why, why, how does that affect Biden? The uh, ruling. Well, it affects the administration because. Um, because they uh, basically they they wanted to create law through the uh, various agencies. In this case, it was OSHA, and uh, Gorsuch's uh, opinion was, and, and he wasn't the official opinion; he was a concurrence. Uh, but what he wrote was basically uh, uh, broadening the uh, ruling to apply to other agencies, not just not just this case, not just OSHA. So that means, in general, a uh, the executive branch cannot put regulation into law. Is that it, no? It, it means that uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that Congress really has to uh, uh, has to pass. That you can't just have uh, um, the uh, uh, an agency uh, assuming that authority unless co- uh, Congress specifically gives it to them. I think that's a good thing. Well, you got yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just completely missed all that yesterday. But, so but we've been, but but we have been through several administrations in a row where that wasn't the case. Um, you know, a whole lot of what was implemented in the Patriot Act was just you know Congress turned it over to Homeland Security. Uh, the the uh, Obama administration did a lot. Uh, you know, through administration, Trump liked to do things through. And these are all the executive orders, all, all you know, all of the uh, um, the laws that they have people. Uh, that they have agencies, right? And then, uh, and then this administration is doing the same thing. So it's not new. 
uh, I just think it's a, a you know a really good precedent. But if I were in the administration's shoes and I were inclined to operate the way they had been, um, I would not want to uh, press a case that I'm guaranteed to lose because there might be some bad stuff that comes with it, and I think they got some bad stuff that comes with Kevin, it. Kevin, how'd they split off the uh, health care workers and say that was okay? That was that was 5-4 uh, to keep the mandate, and uh, Carl did some really good writing about that, and you can get him to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but but basically, uh, um, the, uh, the logic there uh, uh, for keeping it was that we already have given the federal government, and a, a lot of that is in the Affordable Care Act, for example, we have given the uh, federal government uh, the right to create all kinds of administrative law uh, as it pertains to health care. So, you know, pay the piper for that. You know, whether, like it or not, think it's bad law or not, think it's bad precedent or not, not really the point. The point of it is uh, is essentially that um, we gave up that uh, authority a long time ago. What uh, what exactly are we gonna, what exactly are we going to do with a half a billion more testing kits? I want to be in the testing. Well, kit we're going to promise them to everybody, and then we're going to take about uh, ten weeks to get them out, and then Omicron will have fizzled, and nobody will care. Uh, I, that's exactly that's, exa- that's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> that that is exactly what's happening. Same same way with the hospital ship in New York. In, in well, you know, yeah, the hospital ship in New York, the uh, state fairgrounds uh, hospital in Milwaukee, um, uh, you know, all all of these uh, kinds of things. But the, actually, the hospital ship was there in a timely manner. It was just, uh, it was just not. It turned out it wasn't needed. Um, but the, uh, the uh, where was I going to go with this? Um, it, it's you know it's the same thing we we see uh, masking you know the president was on talking about his uh, his new strategy for uh, um, uh, for uh, uh, dealing with COVID going forward and it's pretty much the same thing you know masks stay home have passports and all and and this is great uh, he says we're we're going to uh, make high quality masks to everybody and he reaches over to his side and picks up a cloth mask. At the same time, people in his administration are saying, oh, yeah, those don't work. Uh, it's, it's just madness. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, 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 think, I think we're starting to see people come around, although I do have to tell you that there was a Rasmussen survey. Where did my Rasmussen survey go? Um, that uh, that's compared Democrats and Republicans on uh, uh, on some of the policies, and 58% uh, oppose a proposal for uh, uh, federal or state governments to fine Americans who choose not to get the vaccine, but that's 55% of Democrats, uh, Democrats would support it, and 19% of Republicans, and 25% of unaffiliated. 59% of Democratic voters would favor a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined in their homes at all times, except for emergencies if they refuse to get a COVID-19 uh, vaccine. Uh, it's opposed um, by 61% of all likely voters, including 79% of Republicans. And this list goes on for quite a while. There's there, there's a lot more to it that's, that's that divide. So we still have you know, a huge political divide on, on uh, uh, COVID policy. But I think there's there, there's bound to be enough con- cognitive dis- dissonance. Just th- think of all the things that we have learned in, just in the last month. Um, you know, it, an admission that cloth masks don't work. Uh, 
and, and uh, uh, we're seeing, um, uh, you know, we're seeing infections among and spread among vaccinated people. Uh, anecdotally, um, every single person I know who has gotten COVID in recent weeks has been vaccinated. Um, but that's that's just anecdotally. We're seeing uh, not the same number of hospitalizations, but we're seeing in the 30s a percentage of hospitalizations uh, are uh, uh, vaccinated people. So it's not a trivial amount uh, of exposure to severe uh, illness. Now, I, I think most of that was Delta, and we're probably not going to see as much as Omicron continues to unfold. But nevertheless, we're seeing that. In Denmark, they were seeing negative efficacy of the vaccine, that a higher percentage per 100,000 people were getting COVID if they were vaccinated than not. And one of the one of the newspapers, one of the major newspapers in Denmark, has now issued an apology saying, well, we're sorry that we bought the government's uh, line over the last couple of years. We didn't do a good job for our readers. So what, what is it? You know, we're starting to see a lot of that kind of cognitive dissonance that is going to get people to uh, start doubting. How does more uh, people to start doubting what they're hearing? This maybe is more of a Carl craze, but how does how does the <laughs> Omicron basically kick Delta's ass? Is it because it, it gets to you first, and then once you have it, you have immunity towards the Delta, and that's how it kills the that's how it yeah. diminishes the Delta. Yeah. Well, somewhere along the line here, I, I'm just wishing for somebody to say. Hey, if you already had it, you're you're okay. <laughs> Relax. We, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying. But I, and I also well, I, had, I had it twice. I know. I was saying. I, I don't. That was my next point. I'd I'd like some kind of a study. As I was to, okay both times. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're here to prove it. Well, uh, here's, here's what I'm wondering: is are, are there any unvaccinated people that had it twice, or is it only vaccinated people? Well, that's who had that's it twice? that's my. I don't know how we'll, how we'll ever know whether the uh, the the the, e- the eagerness. To vaccinate people that have already had it might have actually messed up their immunity. Yeah, the first time I had it, I was unvaccinated. The second time I had it, I was vaccinated. Both times were completely minor. Uh, How long after you had it the first time did you get vaccinated? Um, like three months, maybe. Oh, okay, so it was a little while. My doctor told me to wait eight eight months. Yeah, I mean it was it was um, still pretty early on, so you know I feel like we didn't know as much. But I will say, and this is obviously anecdotal as well. In the Chicago bubble that that I live in, you know that that uh, you know I guess everyone lives in their own bubble to a certain extent. But uh, the the gap between the most sort of conservative of my friends that were scared to leave the house and 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 left the house last, and and you know the double masks, the the super uh, crazy on social media versus the gap of like me and some of my other friends that were you know. Uh, pretty cautious in the very beginning but then as more information came in kind of said okay this is not maybe as bad as it as at least not for us as uh, as it will as it is for other people i'm going to con- yeah. i'm going to take con- it seriously take precautions live your life i'm going to continue to live my life where you've been all along that exactly and uh let's just say the gap between those two sides is closing very much uh to the point where it almost everyone now is kind of like yeah I, I'm not worried about it. If I get it, it's a minor thing for a couple of days, and and that's it. And so, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now this is in the rearview mirror. How do you, how do you feel being right? Well, and I think from from a, a Biden administration policy, that's what they'd like. I you know the the president keeps stepping on that message, um, but I I do think that's what they want because you know come the fall elections, they don't want this to be as big an issue as it is now. Well, but it also it flares itself out sort of on its own. 
they, they want to take credit for it. So they, they're going to say it's the test kits, and they're going to say all the other stuff. Right. You're right about that too. I mean, well, yeah. yeah it's if, a, the, if the test uh, kits are a cluster bleep, then uh, that, you know that's just going to pile on to uh, uh, the all, already uh, perceived incompetence of this administration. Well, we got a dash off. Uh, SP futures down ten. Nasdaq futures down fifty two. So much for the bounce. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Mr. Matt Weber on the board and I have a 
two serious questions for you, Mavens. So I just got on break here. It just, just popped into my brain. Uh, SP Futures up down 950. NASDAQ Futures That's down not four. good when stuff is popping into your brain. No, it's, uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm reading it, so I'm, I guess it's getting in through my eyes. So it's not like it's going through to a drill, I hope. Uh, <laughs> Dow Futures down 29. Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down 364. Nikkei had a huge update on Wednesday. I think it's given it all back the last two days. It's kind of strange. Uh, Shanghai down 34. That's a full 1%. Hang Seng, though, muted, muted, down 46.2%. Uh, the, uh, Ch- Korea was down as well. Data shows China's exports beat expectations. I don't know how you have expectations in a communist country that are worth a crap, but that's, that's just me. DAX down 125.8%, FTSE down 11.2%, CAC round down 63.9%. Again, as a way of review, the, the sorry numbers of yesterday, Dow down 176, S&P down 67, it's a huge move. NASDAQ down 381, that's 2.5%. Uh, bonds up three basis points to 1.74 on a 10-year bond up uh, two basis points, trying to make a run towards zero again, minus 0.06. Uh, Japan uh, up three basis points to 0.16. That's a big move for those guys. And we went between four and five for like a year and a half. So to go up three in one day is a big move. Uh, oil up 59 cents, 82.71. Brent up 76 cents, 85.23. Natural gas down 12 cents, 4.14. Our Bob up two cents. Uh, 240, and we've got Bitcoin, uh, uh, down 446, 42,145. Many of the Air Force traffic weather sports dogs. Right on the dot here, 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a pretty good start here on a Friday morning on the area expressways. There's a crash on the inbound Kennedy. It's actually not on the expressway, but on the Lawrence Avenue exit, uh, which is exit 84, and that has that exit ramp closed. Uh, they try to get that accident cleared up so you can't get off at Lawrence. You'll have to get off uh, at Foster or at uh, Montrose if you can. Uh, but uh, no issues on the Kennedy itself. Outbound side looks okay as well. Same for the Edens. Eisenhower, there's a crash right off the Eisenhower at Cicero, but uh, not affecting I-290. Uh, but that crash is at Cicero right at uh, 290. No issues on the Stevenson. Southside expressways are looking good. Off the expressways, uh, we have some police activity, Western Avenue at West 71st Street. But everything else is all quiet out there. Weather today, more uh, cloudy skies, uh, temperatures uh, in the mid-30s, similar to yesterday, but a bit colder. And then we'll be even uh, colder tomorrow before we warm up again early next week. Highs today around 35. Could get a little bit of snow tonight. Not expecting much for accumulation, but maybe a little dusting or an inch uh, and a high of 35. Right now it's cloudy and 34 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, uh, rain in the forecast today and a high of 71. Right now it's mostly clear and 52. In sports, the Blackhawks beat the Canadiens last night at the United Center 3-2 in overtime. Coyotes were off. Basketball, Bulls were off. They'll host Golden State tonight. It's a second straight national TV game as this is a 6.30 Chicago time tip on ESPN. Suns were off last night as well. They'll play against the Pacers tonight. That's a 5 p.m. Phoenix time tip from Indianapolis. College Hoops, DePaul with their first ranked win in a couple of years. As they're playing some pretty good basketball under first-year coach Tony Stubblefield. They're 10-6 and six now uh, in year one of his tenure as they upset Seton Hall, number 20th-ranked Seton Hall, 96-92. to 92. And it was number six Arizona blowing out Colorado, 76-55. to 55. Hey, did Stubblefield pay, play for DePaul? I feel like he did. I don't know if I know the name. I know the name. Yeah. Um, I, I, he, the hire didn't get a lot of fanfare. 
so I'll have to look into his history a little bit. But I've I've been watching them because uh, even though they're not winning yet, you know they're ten and six, which isn't terrible. But uh, they've been really competitive in every game, including you know they played Villanova the other day yeah. and 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 had a lead at halftime and played Villanova really tough and ended up losing that game, but really showed signs. I mean, DePaul hasn't even been competitive in 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 twenty the years. The DePaul Marquette game the other night, I watched it. My friend Bill. He's a big Marquette fan. It was, it was a real good game. Yeah, I mean they got some players. They've 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 got some size, uh, and uh, Stubblefield's really got some energy into that program here in year one. And when he starts getting more of his guys in there, I don't know the the makeup of the roster if they're, if they're mostly transfers or what. Uh, but uh, they're really instilling some life, and they have the great new arena. And uh, it, it was pretty loud for Villanova, even though I would say it was only maybe two thirds full. But it was pretty loud, and uh, yesterday Seton Hall is a really good team. They're ranked twentieth, and they're expected to be a kind of a five or a six seed in the NCAA tournament. And DePaul really dominated that game. It, the score was n- not as close as uh, the game itself. It was uh, they played really well. So excited for potential of getting that program turned around because Loyola is still really good. And if uh, we had some good college basketball teams, that would be fun. Well, the, uh, somehow or another, they're getting some pretty good recruits in the Big East all of a sudden because Marquette has a bunch of freshmen, and they, some of them were reasonably high. I mean, I don't know about five star, but they Big were, East is loaded. I mean, yeah. year after it's been several years now where they've Villanova's been the cream of the crop, but Creighton's had some really good teams. You know, Marquette has had some good teams. Uh, Providence and Seton Hall are solid. UConn is back uh, under. Uh, Danny Hurley, they're they're really good. They're a tournament team. I mean, St. John's is competitive. So, uh, and I'm sure I miss some teams. Xavier is really good. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, the Big East is good. And Butler, you know, they've they've been you know a top uh, twenty team for several years. This year, they're having a down year, but uh, Butler's been solid too. Yeah, Kevin, I uh, yeah, I really miss the Big East. Yeah, but, um, Notre Dame being in the Big East, you know, most of the ACC ACC teams don't float my boat in terms of interest but i i really did love all playing all of those other uh uh big east schools along the way and and throwing in uh you know creighton and butler and uh, uh xavier i think xavier's in there aren't they yep yeah so throwing in those teams would have just made it that made it even better the uh, hey kevin i, was, I, I uh, mean i know why notre dame did their affiliation with the acc it was you know partly to get some football scheduling but also partly uh, for all of the other sports uh for for you know it's it's a it, the big east has never been great for women's basketball other than UConn and Notre Dame and uh it's better now it really is DePaul's pretty good Marquette's pretty good um but uh it, you know women's basketball and then you start talking about soccer and you know those those kinds of sports and it's it's just a superior in baseball it's a superior uh, uh conference and I know why they did it but I still miss the big east yeah but how easy um Follow us up a bit, but then I got some actually some nice things to say about you. Bad as bad as that sounds. Um, the uh, well, God knows, don't tell me. Well, no, I'll, I'll tell everybody. That's not the you, kind of thing you tell me. That's well, true. Uh, well, it's, it's more people like you, not just you personally. How's that? It's better. Uh, how oh, easy? Okay. How easy is it if the Irish? Uh, I'm saying this because they're in the Big Ten for hockey. How easy would it be for an independent, which there aren't very many, if any? For them to say, okay, we're going to be ACC, we want to play four-year football teams, we're going to be Big Ten for hockey, we're going to be Big Eight for basketball, we're going to be Big Ten for women's soccer or something. Just pick the best best place for everyone and go there. I mean, it's already yeah, good. you would really, really have to do a lot of negotiating. I am sure 
that their deal with the ACC not only has some uh, you know severe limits on what they can do, what it would cost them to leave, but also getting first dibs on football if they join a conference. But there must be something uh-huh. regarding that there aren't enough hockey teams in the ACC, so it leaves them free to join another conference. There aren't right? any hockey teams in the ACC. Well, that, well, that makes it easy. There isn't one. There isn't one team, one school, a hockey team. No, so Notre Dame was in hockey East. Yeah, I can't think of any. I, um, well, I don't think I don't think Virginia, Virginia Tech, you know, even the the school, so lacrosse, the, oh, Boston College, yeah, Boston Colleges, but Boston College is in Hockey East for uh, for hockey. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's the only other one does, I can think of. Does Syracuse have a hockey team? Not they, that I know of. Okay. Really? Yeah, at Boston you. College. I think I think Kevin's right. I think if if Syracuse, I thought Syracuse might, but if they don't, the BC would be the only one. Well, Boston College plays in the Beanpot thing every year. Yeah, I mean they're they're a great program, obviously. Well, anyway, Kevin, the reason why I was thinking of you yesterday is a. Uh, I was at a funeral. <laughs> I don't take that badly. Oh, okay. That's much better. Uh, <laughs> Glad to be associated. Well, actually, a terrific lady, but her, the dad uh, was put in the grave at 90, Korean war, war vet, real nice guy, big, huge Irish guy. He was a teacher and a principal in a Chicago school. And he's one of these dudes that was just, you know, there was no, as a daughter in the eulogy said, my dad, when it came to morals, there was no such thing as a gray zone. It was It was black or white, right or wrong. And he said he taught, he had a reputation of being a real tough teacher, but very fair to everybody and liked everybody, remember? But the, the influence, when she brought the dude in for his last trip into Palos Hospital, the guy's 90, the lady filling out the forms go, is that the Mark McGrath from such and such school? And Kathy goes, yeah. And he goes, God, I remember him. Could I visit him? He was my best teacher. He did more for me than any other teacher I ever. The, 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 and, uh, and you get the, the, you know, the feeling that nothing, no one can be more, uh, influential to to kids than than a good teacher, and uh, I know well, you bring. You know, what, what have I told you a number of times that you know the the cool part of the job, um, e- even at the post secondary level, is that you can get people to see themselves differently. Uh, that people who never would have imagined themselves uh, being leaders, as an example, or uh, or being really successful, when you get them to do that. Uh, it is like the coolest thing ever. Well, it, it kind of works. Kef goes, she was having trouble at long division, and the old man says, well, all right, the next two weeks were after dinner, two hours of long division. She goes, I was so happy when I learned it enough that I'd have to do that. <laughs> I guess it kind of works both ways. But, uh, no, I, I really I really like to do it. Boy, I should have I been able to do the math, but got Korean War veterans now are 90 years old. But I guess I guess they do the math. It's easy to say, but uh, I just I don't know why I didn't expect that. But, but I guess I did. I should have. Uh, hey, two two things. One, uh, as we talked yesterday a lot about insider trading. Yeah, the Korean War ended in 1953. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm <laughs> saying I'm saying it's, it's a brain brain fart on my point. Seventy I mean, years ago. Yeah, it was eight years after World War Two, and all those dudes are 98. So yeah, duh, these guys are 90, right? I mean, it's, 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 it was I, before some of us were born. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, I was I was fifty two, so yeah, it, it it says that it started officially June twenty fifth, nineteen fifty, and ended July twenty seventh, nineteen fifty. Well, first of all, it, it's never ended. Well, yeah, it's a conflict, right? It's a it's an armistice, right? Or it's a yeah, it's a what it's a it's a what is it? It's a negotiate. It's a it's a pause, right? They still have a DMZ. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, the. I want to talk about insider trading a little bit, and I also want to talk about. The, the Fed stuff going on with the, at Congress, and that, you know, not that I'm beating up on him, it's just uh, your buddy Elon Musk, uh, Kevin, comes out this morning and says Dogecoin can be used to buy crap at Tesla. 
Alright, so Dogecoin jumps 9%. Now, if, if he told all his buddies he was gonna say that and they all bought Dogecoin, do you have a problem with that? I do. Of course. Uh, but, but he's, he'll, he'll go uninvestigated, I'm sure. The other thing is, I, and I guess this is a, I don't say a criticism, I'm gonna make a comparison of, of, of lifestyles and, and it's been a long time, but I was 20 years in the OEX pit, I think everybody knows that. There's 350 people in a pit, and there's standing orders around, and there was a, there was a customer order book, uh, that you could look and see, you know, okay, there's 50 offered at 3 ace, and the bad news is for the customer is that we got to trade it, you know, first essentially from the pit. Actually, a customer could have paid 3 ace, and so it was there for all to see. The bad news is, or the good news is, they got priority, so a lot of times it would trade three eighths and then go right back down, and the only person who was able to get the fill was the was the retail customer. So I thought that was a really a pretty good deal for retail people to have priority. But but the, but the, but the message here is, you're standing in a pit with 350 people, and you're all kind of looking at the same huge movie, this big huge screen. And uh, if there was a, uh, you know, if, if you thought the market was going up or down, and there's a hundred puts offered here or calls, if you thought for a second that you should buy that that book, those puts or those calls. If you didn't instantly do it, it's almost like there's mental telepathy. The person next to you would immediately buy it. So if you, if you, as they used to say in a pit, if you snooze, you lose. And yet I compare that to the pickle the Fed is in right now. Now I, I think, I think from listening to all these guys talk, they know the pickle they're in. Okay. But their, their, their idea of time is so much different than mine. My background. Mine is, if I don't buy it this second, Matty Weber is going to somehow <laughs> realize I'm thinking it or he's thinking it too. He's going to get it ahead of me and I'm going to get nothing. These guys are sitting in front of Congress. Oh man, we screwed up on this inflation. Boy, this thing is now, it's now public enemy number one. And, uh, we're thinking maybe like at the March meeting, uh, we might go up a quarter. What are you doing? If you think you got a problem, do something today. How do you, I mean, it's, it's like we're, uh, we're filling up the swimming pool. The swimming pool is overflowing. Well, let's talk in two weeks about maybe turning the water down. Wait a minute. If it's, if it's overflowing, why don't you stop it today? What's the matter with, I'm, I'm never going to understand this, Kevin, because I came up, I just, I grew up in a different world. Just saying. Well, you're, you're, you're looking for competence in government. I'm, I'm not looking for, but the You'll timing be, is. You will be, uh, um, or, or at least a, a competent way of thinking, and you will be forever disappointed if you do that. It's not, it's not, it, it's different than that, though, Kevin. It, it's that I think those guys are just as competent as I am in terms of what needs to be done, but for some reason they're very comfortable letting it play out for ninety days. And I'm thinking it's ninety days you got to go get back, and and whatever you have to do to fix it, you got to do it worse because you let it go another ninety days. There's just there's there's no urgency to to those jobs. It appears to me if we, ah we don't spend you don't we don't. Uh, don't do this bill this year. Don't do this bill next year. Hey, I have, I have a quick question for you. With, with the guys like Manchin and people, well, there's not a lot of them like that. But say he's an outlier in his case, and you got Dick Durbin lobbing a bunch of crap at him. Why? I mean, I, I, I think I learned this in whatever fourth grade civics that every senator or representative can introduce a bill, right? If he wants, then he can he can introduce a bill in Congress. Yeah, but it has to get out of committee. Okay, but he's but he can introduce it. But why, why just, just for bleeps and grins, doesn't Manchin say, alright, we got this trillion and a half dollar bill or whatever the number is. Here's 30 things that nobody disagrees with. 
you know, like the one for insulin for kids or something. I'm just going to put a separate bill in here with these 30 things in there, and I'm going to say I'll vote for this. Well, for, uh, first of all, the bill's got, it's a spending bill, so it's got to originate in the House. Uh, okay. Well, there's got to be somebody okay. of his ilk um, in the House. They, you know, they're, they're using, they're trying to use reconciliation uh, to get it across. In other words, the bill that they're uh, arguing about is uh, originated in the House, uh, was sent to the Senate, the Senate made some changes, so that's, now it goes back to the House to reconcile those changes so that everybody can vote on it. So that's, you know, that, that's part of the process here, uh, is that you, you can't originate that. Um, so, you know, Manchin can do whatever he wants, but, uh, you know, he's, he's already, he, he has very specifically given, um, uh, Democratic leadership his list of things that he wants. And I, I still don't like it. I still think he's, uh, you know, th- that even if they give him everything he, he wants, it's still too much spending, especially right now. Uh, but he's, uh, uh, you know, but he has set the parameters and they're just not willing to meet him. Well, what I'm saying is Dick Durbin has come out with something like, well, here's like, he rattled off like three things, like, you know, we don't want to, it's, it's sort of like the, you know, the Patriot Act. You know, if, if you, if you didn't pass the whole thing, you, you know, you wanted your sister, you know, raped by a guy with a turban on his head. Well, you know, that's not exactly true. So, well, why can't, there appears to be, out of 10,000 things that are in this bill, there appears to be, let's say, a hundred of them that are like motherhood and apple pie. Why, why can't we have a bill just for those? I mean, that's my, I know it's a real stupid question in today's world, but it's a question. Yeah, well, Tom, I agree with you that, that there should be, there, there's enough consensus. There's always enough consensus on things that need to be done, um, and, and we don't do them. Because there, all this other crap has to go in every bill, and you know, there, yeah, it, we, it, it's just not how we govern. It's it, it's not in the DNA of the people who are uh, in Congress right now. And I'm sorry, that's too bad. I mean, that that's really too bad because it doesn't serve the country very well. But also, I mean, it is, it is a shot against um, conservatives uh, or liberals when it comes to the other side of the coin. My conservative people I hang around with on weekends. Uh, um, they're convinced that this is all, that this is the Democrats doing this. And I keep saying, don't you get it? That as much as these guys fight, appearing to fight against each other and keep this brush fire going to get people arguing, there isn't, there isn't a Republican senator or representative that has any, any kind of hair that is not getting a piece of this bill. Don't think for a second that, that there isn't a Republican district or a Republican person, Republican, a lead company that isn't getting a chunk of this. I mean, it's not that, that, you know, a trillion and a half dollars are going to all Democrats and the poor, the poor Republicans are sitting there with their pockets empty. That's not happening, Kevin. I mean, I mean, I don't think, do you? No, but some of it, for instance, this voting rights bill is, uh, well, is I, I get it. all I get it. on behalf of the Democrats. I, I get it, but I'm talking about all, whenever, whenever there's a 4,000 pages of loaded with every page with dollar signs, don't think for a second that everybody's not getting taken care of. That, and they're not going to fight about that. No. But, but there are people who think, oh man, the Republican guys are getting the short end. They're not going to get the short end of the money stick. They never do. Same way on the other side. Even though all the Democrats vote against a bill when, when Trump was in, but it doesn't mean that, that Durbin wasn't bringing home some bacon for Illinois. That, that Illinois was totally out of the bill. I mean, Trump's the only guy who even brought anything like that up. <laughs> the people who vote against you, I don't want to give them any money. But that was that was like a shot from left field, wasn't it? Uh, I don't think so. I I think um, the current administration is doing the same. Well, once somebody does it, 
But I mean, it, I don't think that was typical, even as much as ten yeah, years. Well, ago. they started. It was not an impressive argument when I was raising kids. It's not going to be an impressive argument now. Um, well, well, I guess what I'm saying is the the, the, the money tree continues to flow in all directions. It, I mean, it may get you may get a little more if you're in power, but it, I don't think I don't think a uh, a, a bridge in a Republican district is not going to get fixed. Do you? Yeah, Tom, you, you have to separate legislation into two categories. One category is spending, and everybody has the hand in the pocket. Yes, that. yes, that's what I'm talking about. The other category is agenda items. It's all the social stuff. Well, I, I agree. And, but the and, real, and but that, that's, that's a totally different measure. I agree. Um, but, I mean, there are, there are people in this world that say, if it's not the money side, don't bother me with it, Right. Well, not, not I, me, really. I think I, I think actually the stuff that uh, that probably gets the most play is is really um, the agenda stuff. And and at, at the current moment, the reason it's getting so much play with the uh, Democrats is they know they're going to lose in the fall. And so what they really really want to do is they want to get their stuff in while they can. Um, and uh, so. You know, I, I don't disagree. I, I understand the logic of it. That you know, it, it makes sense. But it's uh, again, I don't want to see it happen. So yeah, I don't, well, well, just on the voting rights stuff, I uh, here I have it, it, it isn't even voting rights. Oh, it's, I know it, it's it, it's it's election rules. It's a, a lot of it is just federalizing elections, and and we don't have federalized elections. We don't. We, we have state elections. It's it is what our constitution prescribes. Like it or not, it's what we prescribe. Uh, I actually don't like it all that much for federal elections, but um, I think it needs to be thought out and and over a period of time. I mean, I I guess where I'm where I'm going with if, this. If you're going to make radical changes to that, it needs to come with some measure of consensus. I would agree, and there is no consensus in what they're pushing. No, I I, I don't just in the little bit I know. Uh, when I say the little bit I know. We had the COVID, you know, shoves. We, we go to this, uh, I mean, for me, you know, and of course I live 40 yards from the, from the polling booth, so it's easy. For me to walk in there, have somebody from each side check your signature, look at you, see that you're alive, uh, and, and, and go and vote, I, there, there's a, there's a discipline to that. Okay, now, if somebody can't do that or are too far away, should there be an alternative system for that person to vote? The answer is absolutely correct. I, I I agree with that. Let's figure out how to do it. But the the idea, and I think some states have done a really good job at that. I think Colorado and Oregon. I mean, Lou says the one in Colorado is you know pretty straight up. But the idea that we're going to do this really too fast, we're not going to check on anybody. There's no names. We're going to throw away the name. There there there's a, there's a way to do this properly, and, and you're not going to do it in four months. So the question is. What's the way to do it? And I, and I don't know the answer, Kevin. I know there is an answer in there somewhere, but I have a. I think we move toward this. You know, anybody you send in a ballot from anywhere, stuff in some states a little too fast in my, which doesn't make me conservative. And yet, I'd like to see other people with a chance to vote. And when you have a, a county where nobody has an ID card and it hasn't for five generations, to say oh, all that's, sudden, that's baloney, Tom. Well, everybody has an ID card. I, I'm saying there. are there, there are some people that don't. Which, which now me, if we made a, a, cons- a conscious attempt to get everybody an ID card, uh, then I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it at all. There, there is nobody who wants an ID card that can't get one, including in all kinds of states, rural states, 
where they're allowed to make a copy of a driver's license or whatever and send it in and get an ID card back. Um, you know, they, uh, you know how, do you, how, do you or, do, how do you do that? You know, or, uh, or other, uh, you know, there, there's a long list of other things. You don't even have to have a driver's license, uh, but to get to register to vote. And one of the most ridiculous arguments I ever saw was the one who said, well, yeah, but people in rural areas don't have access to copying machines. Yeah, because nobody can take a picture of something with a cell phone oh, and upload it. That never happens. Uh, first of all, careful with that. I don't know if I could. <laughs> yeah, you'd get well, me to do it. Well, point. Okay. So, yeah, there, there, I suppose there is a certain dark factor that goes with it. <laughs> but, no, I'm, saying, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying let's, let's figure out a way to do this. It can't be that tough, and let's just do it. Right. It's just... It, it's just this notion that somehow black people can't find the DMV. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't you know, it, 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 it is it is so patently it, it, patronizing at best, racist at worst. Yeah. I, I, um, plus, if you got four years and, to work and, and at I, it, I don't believe it. So uh, you know, I, I I just can't believe that uh, people believe that. that kind well, like of I said, I, I my my concern with the the COVID election was. It happened real fast, and I think some people took advantage of it on both sides. Well, I think a lot of people took advantage of it, and yeah. the the uh, uh, election law that the uh, um, that the Democrats are proposing uh, includes sending ballots to everybody, no matter who they are, and and restricting uh, states from purging their voter rolls for people who have duplicate, you know, where there's duplicates or or they're dead. That, you know, it's, it, Wisconsin has been resisting that for years. The state of Wisconsin, they are under court order to purge their voting rolls, and they have been for years, and they still haven't done it. Well, here, last shot here is the reason why I'm, I'm sort of against the states doing the federal election stuff uh, is I actually, one time when it was snowing out and I had nothing better to do, and somebody had asked a question on the show, uh, somebody had written in, I, I, I did a dive, not a deep dive, but a shallow dive into... Um, how 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 you get to be on, how you get on a, on a ballot? I don't I don't think that to be on a presidential ballot, every single state should have a different law. Where some states you have to get signatures to be taken in as a write-in. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I okay, think. Okay. Well, you know what? If you can build consensus on that, and if that makes sense, then go ahead and just deal with that piece of legislation and forget this comprehensive crap um, and and deal with it. That's what I would suggest to any. Uh, a, anybody who thinks that that's the appropriate thing to do, well, cool. Well, like I said, pass a bill. Would both you, sides? You, if, if, when you decide that you're not going to do anything unless there's four thousand pages of other crud in there, then that's a problem. But, but right it, now, it's the same thing with uh, you know with uh, um, immigration reform. If you know a lot of people really support making the uh, uh, the DACA people. Um, legal, you know, giving them legal status, giving them a stronger legal status than they have now. Um, but but you, uh, you don't see, you're not going to see the Republicans putting that uh, no. uh, proposal forward because it's not politically expedient. But you don't notice the Democrats doing it either because they'd rather have the issue than they than the uh, uh, than the solution. Uh, but I would bet you that if and, and I always thought Trump was an idiot for not proposing this. He should have just gone and made a proposal that said, yeah, let's do a clean DACA bill and take care of it. It would have made him look great. There is no Democrat in the world that would have been able to vote against it. Um, and, uh, and, and you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things that's infuriating because where there is consensus, nobody wants to do anything about it. Well, there's consensus among the two parties that are supposedly so far apart. Neither one of them wants a third party. There's consensus. 
Just saying. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, I know you got to get called. Nasdaq futures down thirty, and uh, I will talk to you. Nasdaq futures down one forty-five. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, I'm Rafael Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Weber, and the board. SP Futures down on 32, and the Futures down 142. So, so much for the little bit up last night and flat this morning. We're heading south just like uh, yesterday. The bank earnings have come out in a couple of them. Uh, Citigroup uh, earnings were down from last year, but uh, I think they might have beat estimates, but they're still down 275 to 6503. And JP Morgan, which kind of beat everywhere, they're down uh, uh, 680 to 161.46. So, we don't like those banks a little bit this morning. I never, Carl, I never have to worry about banks. You know, I always figure the Fed will take care of them. What do you think? Well, it seems that no matter what they do, not only will the Fed take care of them, but nobody will go to jail anymore. I mean, you know, it's not like it's the 1980s anymore, is it? No. Well, that was, did anybody go, did anybody go from the, uh, banks? Or was a couple savings and loans guys? Uh, well, it was, it was actually not a couple. I was, but, if I remember correctly, there's over a thousand felonies. Yeah, well, the, the uh, still, do you, where do you come down on this? I, I don't know if you're not necessarily prepared for this. Well, I don't know if I, if there is such a thing as an answer, so I guess you don't have to be prepared. I, I, the more I look, I look back, Carl, I, I'm not sure 
that Volker had to be so heavy-handed the last six months. I think he totally miss, missed, just like these guys missed this time. I don't, I don't know why this is. Maybe, I don't know how the bureaucracy works, but, or the people doing a number. For some reason, Carl, I've got this, this real feeling after studying this for so long that the CPI and PPI numbers, even if they're straight, which I don't think they are anymore, um, if, even if they're straight, they're a serious lagging indicator. And, uh, I, I think these guys were, were caught up in the fact, now, now I don't think it's straight, so it's even more lagging. But, uh, I mean, to me, I've, I've seen this, to me this is, this is a 15 year program or 12 year program on this inflation. It's just been, the, the CPI is kind of, you know, is obfuscated by, by being at medical care and tuition and those kinds of things. And not picking up stuff like property taxes, which is tuition basically. Uh, and I, I, this is, to me has been a 12 year program, this inflation. But these guys, I think Volcker, I think inflation was long gone when he kept Restricting the money supply to the point where I think he could have stopped six to eight months, maybe even a year sooner. And I think he could, half the savings and loans would have been saved. And I, and I wonder if the big banks just didn't want the savings and loans out of business. They wanted all that business. Well, yeah, they wanted them out of business. It's the nature of business, right? You want to beat your competitors over the head with a stick. And if you can yeah. find a way to do it, uh, why, why would you not do it? I mean, that's. <laughs> Well, I think the, the function of business. I, you know, when, when I ran MCS, I, I was always looking for ways to, you know, take a take a stick to the competitors out behind the woodshed. That was, you know, that's your wet dream if you could do that. Well, you except the to help yeah. you with it, who's, who's going to say no to that? Right? Except the banks were never set up to do as good a job in that industry as the savings and loans were. I mean, that was their industry. Well, that's true. And, and you know, the, the other thing though is that we we still sort of have that. In the United States, which is good, we do, you know we have credit unions today, which I almost exclusively use for my personal banking needs, and, and there's just you know the reason's obvious, right? I mean, the money stays local, and, uh, and by definition, it's a nonprofit because that's what it is. So uh, you know, of course, that doesn't mean they can't screw up; they most certainly can. Uh, but I think, I think part of what Volcker did, and you know, it's kind of tough to ask him now, right? Yeah. But uh, I, I think part of what he did, and, and I actually think he was right to do it, is that much of what happened during that period of time was at best sloppy and at worst fraudulent, just like a lot of what we've had happen here. And he he wanted to spank them, and I think and I think there is there is merit to that. If you get out over your skis like this and you do it using the cover of the federal bureaucracy. And, and essentially, you cheat and keep yourself, for the most part, out of jail because you're one of the favored few. And you get caught, and policy gives the people doing the catching a lever to hit you with. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with using it. Well, I, I, everybody looks at, and, I, and you know, because, because we have these, these big cases, and I know we're going into some history here, but uh, you looked at the Silverados, well, Neil Bush was on the board there, okay? Right. I, I don't, but I, I don't know. I guess what I look at, I looked at the Evergreen Park Savings and Loan, right? And and for years, you got 3% in your passbook. Your parents got a mortgage for 6 They paid for the building. They paid for the league team. And everything right. was fine. And all of a sudden, because of other people's whatever the hell they were doing, uh, these guys are now paying 
twelve percent on the passbook, and uh, the, the mortgage is still six. Well, I got news for you that that dog doesn't hunt right for very long. Uh, th- yeah, you're not the, you're not staying in business for very long on that. And, but, exactly. I mean, but they those people, they're, they're, I mean, I don't know, maybe Chicago was different. There had to be there's fifteen of them I can name. I don't think any of those people were, were Silverado or anything like that. They were just mortgages in the neighborhood. And, and, and they, there's no, there's nothing on anybody's radar that would have said, "Wow, you just gave this guy a thirty year mortgage for six percent, and you're going to be paying twelve on the passbook two years from now." The guy would have looked at you like you were from Mars. Why would I ever pay twelve on a passbook? Well, it's yeah, it's true. But I mean, let's let's fast forward this to you know the last two years, okay? And the dog that didn't bark, yeah, because there's there's so much of that. I think that. You know, there was a lot of that that went on the SNL industry. Anybody that thinks that the 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 guys who were not doing the Silverados didn't know what Silverado was doing, it, 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 whatever you were smoking then, it definitely wasn't legal. All right, and and we had that happen here this time. We now have documentary proof of it. I suspected it. I called it out in the early part of 2020. I said this is probably what happened, but I can't prove it because I don't have the yeah you know, I don't have paper. But I guarantee you the paper exists. Because today, everybody sends everything electronically. I don't care if it's a PDF or an email or whatever, and it never goes away. Anything you put on the Internet never disappears. Anything you put on an electronic storage system never disappears. And now we know. DARPA solicited a proposal for war fighting and the possibility that some crazy SOB was going to use a biological weapon in a war. Which is not a stupid thing to prepare for the possibility of. Okay? Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're nuts to do it, but there are nuts people on this planet. Okay, so they put this proposal out. EcoHealth and several American institutions, including UNC, Duke University, and Palo Alto, responded to this proposal with a a proposal to come up with both a virus mitigation strategy for the zoonotic possibility that bats could transmit coronaviruses to humans and a vaccine protocol to stop it if somebody did this. DARPA got that proposal, read it, and sent them a two-page rejected letter that said, number one, this violates gain of function. Number two, this is dangerous to the population. Okay? And number three, you're acting like you own the places where these bats live. And by the way, they're in China. Now, WIV, the the Wuhan Institute, was one of the parties that was part of this. But they were one of the parties. The others, the the big one was EcoHealth in Europe, and three institutions here right in the United States. A technology transfer agreement was signed with one of these institutions, to send the coding for the spike protein back to them. Now, how can you possibly do what you say doesn't exist yet? Gee, that means that the paragraphs, they intended to release this in the bat cage, which means they didn't intend to keep this in the laboratory. They intended to put this into the environment where humans could get it on purpose. Is this... So what, all right. So walk me walk us through this. Some, somebody essentially had the idea that if bats are coming up with nasty stuff like this, um, if we can get essentially to the bats first with some sort of a vaccine in there, we can stop 
sort of like if we could do the same thing in the caves in the Congo with Ebola. If we can, if we can get in there and somehow figure out a way, I mean, who carries the Ebola? Is it the monkeys or the, or the bats or whatever the hell it is? Something in there, the rats. Whoever carries these viruses, that's where bubonic plague came from, like the middle of Africa, right? right? I mean, if we could somehow get in there and inject, uh, not inject's a bad term, you're not going to stick them with a needle, but if we can put some kind of a cure in there, we'll never have to worry about it. Isn't, isn't that the theory? Essentially, the theory was this. We, we will use both aerosol and edible things to introduce essentially a backfire. Okay, essentially a virus that, that provides immunity and, and cuts off the transmission. And at the same time, they were, they were trying to find ways, you know, of course you have to come up with this in order to do that, right? You have to come up with the antigen generating things in order to do this. Well, aren't there, so, I mean, there are, there this are, was all, and this was all using humanized mice, which by the way, do not exist in nature. They're lab creations. They make mice more, more, human for this from the standpoint specifically in the lungs because that's where these kinds of viruses tend to get into right they come in your respiratory tract so this was this was the proposal darpa looked at it and said you're crazy go away it's 14 and a half million dollars which in the grant in the, in the grant world 14 million dollars not a lot of money okay so these guys had a lot of prior work and they were trying to finish it they got it at the end this was done. This ended up over in Wuhan, and that's where this but came so the, from. Now, here's the here's the reason I say that we really ought to let people get spanked. Every single viral and immunologist in the world almost certainly knew what these people proposed, and that DARPA shot them down. Why? Because they all go to confabs. They all have their conferences. They all talk among each other. They all trade emails. They buy supercomputing resources from various consortiums, educational ed- entities all over the United States and all over the world to process all the data that they generate from this stuff. None of this was secret, and it, it absolutely was known by every one of these people. And the best part of it is that when this thing first showed up in January and February of 2020, the CDC knew what it was within minutes because they already had the sequences in their database. They knew where it came from, and they knew how. And the whole reason, and remember, Trump ran around for two years screaming China virus. He knew good and damned well that we had institutions in this country who were primarily responsible for it. Were the, was the initial work done here or there? Well, I, it was it was a corroboration. So, I, I mean, you know, you can read the proposal. It's It's... EcoHealth was the spearhead behind it, which is a European organization. Okay, that's that's Peter Tank. That's that's the you know the guy that people talk about as a kind of a shadowy dude. Well, you know what? I mean, this is this is his remit. What he does is is viral research. Okay, it's it's what their organization does. But they had the the support and buy-in of multiple organizations right here in the United States. So the idea. You want to know why Biden hasn't pushed this whole China thing? Why Trump? You know, he made a lot of noise, but he didn't tell. He didn't tell the Chinese. You either open up your laboratory records, or we're going to shut down all trade with your country and embargo you. You know why he didn't do it? Because he knew exactly where it would get pointed. It would get pointed right back at two universities and a major corporation in the United States. That's a. Uh, it always seems like no matter what happens, our, our guys are always involved. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, well, you know, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, don't get me wrong. The original proposal was not crazy, okay? Because there are people who are nuts enough to use a biological weapon at war. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, but the, but the the lack of safeguards. I mean, DARPA did the right thing here. Right? I mean, you know, people like to bag on the Defense Department all the time. They did the right thing. They looked at this and said, "You guys are nuts." <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, if somebody came to you or you and me and said, "Hey, you know, every once in a while we we have a." You know, this Ebola thing everybody's all worried about. I, I got a, I got a way where we can get down to that cave and, and spray a can around, and by the way, we'll kill it in the cave. I'd, I'd say, man, if you can do that, it's not a bad idea. Well, you want to you want to know what's interesting about this? So when you look at Omicron, all right. So the so the the working hypothesis that this thing got out probably what ended up happening. So the intent was to build a viral vector that would self-spread, inoculate itself through these bats in the cave, and essentially make them immune and stop the cut off the transmission. It's a beautiful idea if it works. It's dangerous because if something goes wrong with it, you end up with a virus that actually infects people and kills them. Well, my guess is, is that somebody got bit by one of these bats at some point at that WIV. They didn't get sick. And, and the people who were working with them said, well, well, you know, nothing bad happened. It's no big deal. Well, they were wrong. That person left the lab, they went home, they infected their entire family, and from there it spread. All right? But here's the thing. So, so that's where it started. Here's the thing that's interesting. Omicron's closest genealogical ancestors in the databases go back to March and April of 2020. And it is my bet that Omicron was the actual final product. That makes sense. Because, because if it, if it is an end from what we're now finding, and this is directly from the CDC, the hospitalization and death rates from Omicron are statistically indistinguishable from the flu. In other words, this is the kind of thing that you could legitimately let loose in the population and nobody would catch you. And if it cut off transmission of these things out of the bats, that would have been, you know, that, that from their point of view would have been a big win, even if it gives some people a cold. Right. Well, isn't the, the one of the, the dangers? I mean, there's, there's not much chance. I don't know. You might be a world traveler of me heading into a, a cave in Africa where there's a, uh, you know, where, where there's Ebola. But the, the, the rivers in China where these bats live, don't a lot of people canoe down the rivers and been sailing, go into the cave and say, let's check this cave out. I mean, it's, it's not like they're they're not as in, in in as horrible places in China as they are in Africa, right? I mean, people actually well, get in there. Of, yeah, there's some of both, though. You know, the, the thing that's one of the things that started all of this is that there were people that were doing the genealogical research on bats and stuff like that in China and some of these caves, and and a handful of them went in and did some work there and ended up dead. They they got some kind of a terrible respiratory virus and it killed them. And so that that you know that this kind of stuff does get out. I mean, you know, let's face it, bats do sometimes you know with humans we, we prefer they didn't probably in a lot of cases but they're they're really actually quite useful you eat a heck of a lot of mosquitoes oh yeah if you have bats in your backyard uh you, well you have less mosquitoes they're still they'll still find me but yeah but i mean but they're you know i mean they're actually from a standpoint of, you know they're, they're useful creatures they're not the kind of thing that you just want to eliminate from the face of the planet no no i would i would say oh, hey uh shift gear is just a hair on you what a, what do you what do you think's going on with this market we, uh... Well, I, so I think the game's over in a lot of cases, in in a lot of respects. The the problem that the Fed has right now 
is that there's while the PPI that came out yesterday uh, implies that there's you know we we may be seeing the top of certain things uh, in terms of the inflationary impulse. Uh, the fact of the matter is is that the PPI is a six to twelve eighteen month lagging indicator, as uh, you know as, as we all know as, as monetary policy is. Um, the idea that you're going to get through the rest of this year. And remember, we have an election coming in November. Uh, without ending up with a inflationary impulse that results in a recession is extraordinarily unlikely. And that the Fed can sit back and let that happen is also extraordinarily unlikely. So my guess is they're going to try to thread the needle here to, because, you know, nobody likes, nobody likes political upheaval, right? So, you know, regardless of what, how you want to look at this. My guess is that they're going to try to thread this needle so that the bad from what has happened here doesn't hit the economy until after November. They're going to fail uh, simply because they're arrogant. They think they can get away with it. They can't. It never works that way. Nobody's that precise. And so I, I think we're going to see very serious market trouble here. Uh, I mean, when I look at valuations, they're, they're, they're crazy. I mean, there's, it's very hard to find something you want to buy right now. Well, yeah, an individual stock base is really tough, and so uh, there's there is probably going to be a very substantial dive coming. And my guess is that the Fed is going to have to take the punch bowl away. They're, they're not going to have much in the way of choice, and they're going to do it. Uh, they're going to try to time it, and my if I had to, if I was a betting man, and I am, so you know I'm out here. Uh, I, I put my money where my mouth is, and I win or lose by it. I think you're probably looking at a thirty to forty percent drawdown sometime in the next six to nine months. I don't. I uh, I'm kind of with you on that, and I think in some stocks it might be more than that. I just well, I, well I, I'll give you an example. I think Moderna, and I, I, I'll be very specific on this. I just cashed some puts in front of the the. Uh, the, the Supreme Court decision because I don't faith in them. Okay, should have held on to them because they're down more today. Um, but I think that company is a zero. Okay, I mean I think I think there's a few out there, but I'm, I'm not going to. I think there's several of the names out there. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, 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 but one example, and, and that's certainly not going to help the index. <laughs> well, the, the the story and and this is what happens, I think, uh, Carl. When you when you well, in one man's opinion, you 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 basically bleep with your numbers. Uh, if if you look at the the money supply stuff, which I do, and you're by one of the only other people on earth uh, that looks at it as best you can now, so they don't give it to, give it to you very well. Right. I think the money supply increases. If you look at the last 22 months, the money supply is basically up 38 percent. Yeah, but but it's but the last couple of months, it's kind of settled in at a. Thirteen uh, percent number, thirteen and a half, which is still like really high annual growth. Yeah, but you, but you can't survive that because that ends up back into it, it, it goes into assets for a period of time. But the problem is, is it drives up everyone's cost of living to the point that it pulls back. Well, that's what I'm, what I'm saying is, is is if you could actually trust the CPI, the the, the theme of the last, well, certainly the last twenty four hours after the PPI came out, is we've 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 reached the top and we're we're on the the bad the downside of it. And I'm, I'm going to say, if, if they were accurate, Carl, there were a couple of months where the rate was 20%. It was higher than it is now. It's actually down. It's still at a very expansionary rate, but it's down from the peak. And, and I'm thinking, I'm saying, if if the CPI number was correct, and instead of saying housing's up two or three percent, when we all know it's up ten or fifteen, if the number was correct, we'd, we'd have been getting 
some 15% numbers here. So if the, right. if, the, if the numbers were correct, I think we actually will probably have seen a peak. But they're not correct. Well, but, but they're not. And, yeah. and see, you know, I've, I've written for 20 years about this scam with owner's equivalent rent. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And, that's, and that is the arguably, you know, everyone wants to say, oh, well, you know, shadow staff. Or, look, the biggest distortion in the entire CPI table, the one that dwarfs everything else, because everybody buys it as housing, right? Right. The biggest element in there is OER. It is a completely fictitious figure that absolutely nobody actually pays ever. Well, it's it is it's supposed to flatten out, smooth out the idea that if a of a price of a house goes up this month, everybody doesn't buy a house this month. It's not like rent, where if rent goes up. Pretty much everybody's rent goes up, or at least within the next but, year. But, but you know what? That's like saying that because the price of oil is, is because a barrel of oil today, right now, is eighty two, you know, eighty two ten on the QM futures. Okay, that that well, that's not really the price because somebody, you know, somebody locked it in at some, you know, pre. Excuse me, you pay today for every barrel at the price of the last one you want to burn. I, I didn't say I agreed with it. I just said that's what it was. Yeah, no, I, I understand yeah. what they're trying to say. I'm yeah. saying it is a fictional precept that, in truth, nobody actually pays. Right. I, I don't and, disagree. And the problem with doing this is that it, you build in all these other costs that don't show up in the CPI table at all. Because, the, you know, let's face it, the property taxes are assessed on, on the alleged value of your property, Right. Um, I know a boatload of people that pay more taxes than they pay mortgage. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, my my parents bought this place. You know, and I've talked about this before in the show and, and some of the stuff I've written. That, you know, nice house, but middle class, all right? Nothing, nothing special. And over the space of 20 years, the property taxes, they quadrupled and essentially destroyed all value appreciation in the property. Since 2020, the numbers I have here in Illinois are up uh, roughly 2.8, 280 to three three times, so 300 percent. Yeah, well, the well the place I used to own on the North Shore, Chief, I you know I sold it when I when I moved down to Florida, okay, and and then I looked, you know, ten years later, the property taxes have more than doubled. Yeah, oh yeah, and it's that. It's not on it, but investments will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Hello, North Bay Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Matt Weber on the board. We have Sir Carl Denninger with us from Market Ticker as well. SP Peter's down 30 now. SP Peter's down 123. Uh, Bank stocks, JP Morgan is down, uh, 651 for their earnings. We got Citigroup down 269, so not horrible, but, uh, uh, they actually did pretty good on the earnings, but uh, the people just kind of taking a stuffing out of some of these stocks here. Dow Futures down 217. Over in Asia, we've got the, uh, Nikkei down 364, 1.3%. Shanghai down 34, 1%. Hang Seng down 46. They're the, they're the, the one guy they're hanging in there, even though those guys were down last year, so I don't know if you want to follow them all that much. That's 0.2%. Over in Europe, uh, we got sell-offs here as well. DAX down 185, 1.2%. FTSE down 34, 0.5%. around down 69. That's a full 1%. Yesterday, uh, the, the nasty news from yesterday was Dow down 176. That wasn't so bad. But S&P down 67. Ouch. And NASDAQ down 381. That's 2.5%. That's a big move. Uh, bonds. Uh, we were up some. Uh, Ten-year was up before. Now it's come back a little bit. It's only 1.72. It was 1.74 an hour ago. Uh, the, uh, the bond minus 0.07. It was minus 0.06. And Japan is positive 0.15. Uh, oil down nine cents now 82.03. Brent up 13 cents 84.60. So the oil market's quiet. Natural gas down 12 cents 4.15. Our bond unchanged at 2.39. And we've got gold now up 210 at 18.23. Silver down 14 cents, 23.02. Copper down a dime at 4.43. We have Bitcoin uh, down 3.69 at 42,221. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Still uh, pretty quiet on a Friday morning here on the area. Expressways, roadways, and tollways. Uh, looking at Chicago land, no issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Eisenhower and Stevenson still quiet. Same for uh, the south side. And Lakeshore Drive. Looks like uh, we do have a crash out west in Wheaton, Roosevelt Road, which is uh, Route 38 at Winfield Road. Uh, there is an accident that just came across. Uh, but other than that, all quiet out there. So enjoy a nice, quiet ride if you're heading in to downtown this morning. Weather today, lots of clouds, kind of dark and gloomy like yesterday. A few degrees cooler as our high is kind of where we are right now, right here in the mid-30s. We'll call it a high of 35 Right now it's overcast and 34. We could also get some light snow later on tonight and into tomorrow morning. Uh, maybe an inch of accumulation there. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast today and a high of 71. Right now it's mostly clear and 53. 
In sports, Blackhawks welcomed the Montreal Canadiens to town last night, and they beat them in overtime. 3-2 to two was the final in that one. It was also announced that Blackhawks winger Alex DeBrinket, uh is an all-star. So congratulations to him. To Kent. Coyotes were off. Uh, NBA basketball, Bulls and Suns were both off. They're both back in action tonight. The, the Bulls welcome Golden State into town for a national TV ESPN game, 6.30 p.m. tip-off from the United Center. Suns are at Indy to take on the Pacers. College Hoops, uh, DePaul earned their first ranked victory in a couple of seasons. They beat Seton Hall at home last night, 20th ranked Seton Hall, 96-92. to And it was number six Arizona blowing out Colorado, 76-55. to Chief. Um, the Major League Baseball owners and players met and uh, left with Fingers up at the other team, at the other side? That's kind of what I read. The uh, the uh, Players Association and Union were insulted, apparently, by the initial uh, sort of offer. Uh, there you go. I hate it when they insult me with more yes. salaries. I, I, don't, I think it's clear that uh, the season will not start on time. That would be uh, my guess. And, uh, I, you know, I think once they, they get into early April and then they start to really feel the wrath of the fans, they'll get a deal done quickly and then they'll need a month to kind of get some sort of camp together. So my, my prediction is a May 15th, uh, opening day. Um, Kyle, fortunately or unfortunately, um, I haven't been to spring training in years, but I have, uh, a couple clients now that are actually, uh, involved in Major League Baseball and, uh, former players and, um, have invited me because they're going to be doing coaching for their teams. They've invited me down to uh, come say hello in spring training, and I was very fired up to do it. Now, what? I'm skunked. Looks like. Looks like well, there might maybe. not be one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. But I'm sure as hell not going to get my my reg- my room and flight. Why would I? Well, you know, yeah, you got to. I don't know about the flight thing. I I don't know when when there'll be enough uh, both stability and trust back in the airline industry for me to ever set foot on another plane. I mean, the TSA did enough of it after 9-11. Now this is the, you know, a kick in the you-know-what. Oh, yeah. So. Well, what, uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised with the amount of investment they have, and I want to talk to you a little bit about because you're, you know, one of my mavens on contracts and stuff. If you, if you well, uh, the first thing is, if you have all these people, not all these people, but you're making incredible investments in these guys. And a lot of people, you know, under the last year with a surgery for this or that, and you spend millions and millions of dollars on these rehab and, and workout facilities. How do you close an off-season workout facility for somebody coming off surgery? I mean, what, to me, that's stone-cold stupid. Yeah, there's a lot of stone-cold stupid that goes on, though. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess, you know, it's one of the things that... that and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the you know, in the first part of the hour is that, you know, Volker spanking people, okay, is that one of the things that happens when easy money is flying all over the place is that a lot of things that are stone-cold stupid look smart. And, and and it's because you can always go back to the well and, and get another drink of water and it doesn't cost anything. And so your your assumption is is that it doesn't cost anything, you know, that, that label that says free over the top of the, of the fountain is real. And we just we just saw that happen to people, uh, you know, the entire sector, the entire healthcare sector, right? Every hospital, pretty much every doctor's office takes Medicare and Medicaid money. They shouldn't, but they do, and they're dependent on it. 
So we allowed this to happen, and then we allowed this to become even more politicized and more centrally controlled when Obamacare came in. And all the claims, remember, Trump had three platform planks and said he was going to dismantle these monopolies, and, he, and he, they disappeared the night of the election. I was watching them, uh, watching the uh, the returns from a bar in Pensacola that night, and took a quick glance at his campaign site. Literally, they were pulled within seconds of him being announced the winner. They were never heard from again. Um, and now, we have the Supreme Court that has turned around and said, well, you guys designed the prison into which you have locked yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well. Shut up. Um, I, I don't like where they went, but I know how they got there. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't see... I mean, uh, once in a while you have a you know, a b- bizarre dream. That, that what would it take for somebody to actually write some of these, uh, you know, a- apparently wrongs? And uh, and I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, the third the third party guy would have to be Superman because he'd have to be immune to bullets. I don't see how. I mean, I, the, the, the the these guys are they're just too big. I mean, I mean, to get, to get back to my little thing about the baseball stuff. I mean. Everybody who's you know my age and has been a baseball fan has followed this union slash monopoly thing, and there's and, right. and, there, and there's actually people you know I don't, I'm not going to call them dopos, but there's people that that are miffed at the union being able to to essentially bargain with, and I'm not saying the union is 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 purer than Pharaoh's wife. I mean I'm sure they're not, but the idea of somebody being a congressionally given monopoly in this country. And that the union, even as strong as they may seem to be, is absolutely at a structural disadvantage. Talking to these guys, I, I mean, I, I don't think anybody could disagree with me on that. And yet they, but if you look at look at the, uh, um, you know, look at look at medical care, look at whatever you'll, you'll see. I mean, just look at the prices of stocks in the last five months as this inflation has popped up, and you see some comp- some industries that I've been basically ragging about forever. With the you know the 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 big box, you, if you don't have a, if you're not in the Midwest, you don't even have a Menards. So you got Lowe's and, and Home Depot. Look at look at the amount of how those stocks have done vis-a-vis rest, the best rest of retailing. It it proves my point that that they have monopoly power better than the rest of the retail people. Just saying. Yeah, well, but, well, and and here's an interesting thing. You know, we we yell about China all the time, right? Uh, I mean, I certainly do plenty of it, and so do a lot of other. Yeah. Okay, uh, Shanghai Index uh, closed last night at uh, 519.63, uh, You do realize that that is actually below the 2007 level, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's been, you yeah. know, they, they got hit like everybody else when the, you know, when the housing thing blew up. Um, but, uh, gee, where was, the, the S&P was at 1576, where is it now? Well, they didn't have a Federal Reserve that basically pumped it back up. But well, supposedly they do, though. I mean, we, yeah. we hear about how they have all this currency manipulation. Wait, isn't it funny how how price is truth? They they don't have the ability. It's, it's not a reserve currency. They don't have the ability to just print it. Cause we've just taken everybody down a rat hole with us, currency-wise. Well, yeah. But I mean, you know. But then uh, again, back in '07, I, I, I said, you know, look, based on what I see going on and what the Fed is doing, uh, the DX ought to be trading at 40. Well, you can see how well that worked out. I was obviously wrong. Uh, and, and you know, here we are then in '94. 
Well, anyway, the, just real quick, because I, I don't know why I'm, I'm beating up on this baseball thing, but and you keep trying to take me to more interesting subjects, but give me one more minute on this. Right. When, when you look at certainly the Cubs player salaries, and you look at the idea that you're not a free agent in baseball until you've made it all the way through the minor leagues, made it to major leagues, played five years, and there's, what, three years of, of arbitration or whatever it is. You, there's one out of a 1,000 people that sign up for baseball ever get to be a free agent. So the yep. idea that there's free agency in baseball is, is stone-cold stupid. Sorry, whoever you are as a listener. I mean, it, it's 1% of the issue. And, but if you look at the Cubs, now they're an unusual thing because the team sucks, but if you look at their their uh, their player salaries, and if you're just, you could be an economist from, you know, the fourth moon in Alpha Centauri, for God's sake, and you look at the numbers and you say, hmm, there's four guys making 20 mil, and there's 15 guys making 680,000. Why are they all making, why are they all making the same amount? Do you look at those numbers and you say, something's wrong here. Whatever has got here, union monopoly, whatever it is, something's wrong here. I mean, if, 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 I was going to say, this is not a free market. What the hell kind of market is this? Right? Or am I wrong? No, I think it's absolutely right, but this is what happens when you have, you know, congressional, essentially that. The other thing that's interesting, which I think is, is one of the more fascinating things about these, in this stay request, and there, and, and nobody was there representing the workers, who were the ones who were being assaulted? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, the mandate was, was not that the state has to take a bunch of jabs in the keister. It was that all the workers had to take the jabs. So why is it that, you know, this was, I mean, it was one of the questions that I, I sat up and took notice of this. I said, okay, you guys blew it. You, there, there's a general rule when it comes to the law in that you cannot bring something into an appeals argument that wasn't in the original case. You can't go back and say, oh, I'm sorry, we wanted to talk about this. It doesn't work that way. You have to have originally argued whatever that point is. And the, and the problem that you had was that the states never raised the fact that by the CDC's own admission, these, these jabs do not cut off transmission of the virus. So the entire premise is that the Secretary of Health and Human Services, according to the statute, can determine what he wants to do based on what he or she says. Now, is it reviewable? Well, ultimately, yes. But that's the way the statute reads. Now, now think about what you just did. You just created a dictator for, what, 20% of the federal budget? Yeah, it's pretty... A literal, a literal singular person is in charge of 20% of the federal budget, and 20% of every federal dollar spent goes to Medicare and Medicaid. I, Carl, I have a real, a real stupid question, because I don't know the answer. Uh, when you say there's no other... There, there isn't a, a John Doe in in the thing, can can a union file suit and be... and, and, uh, and for their members, or would they need a member vote? I mean... In other words, could could the uh, uh, American or the auto, auto workers union have been part of this suit, saying our people don't want to get jabbed or, or not? If, if they don't get jabbed, they don't they don't want to get fired. That kind of thing, or the or the airline pilots or somebody would would they how how would they if they wanted to how could they join a suit like this? Well, I think they could because the the one against OSHA was it was NFIB was one of the plaintiffs. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's. It really comes down to whether or not you have effectively a power of attorney kind of agency capacity, uh, and if you do, in respect to whatever it is that you know you're talking about, sure. So I would assume 
that in the, you know, from a standpoint of collective bargaining, since that's what a union does, uh, that, that collective bargaining inherently involves working conditions. I, I don't see how you get around that one. But if, if 80% of the people in a union have already been vaccinated, I don't know if they win that vote, if it's, if, it, if they, you know, the vote is to join that suit. I mean, what I'm getting to is, you, you have to be careful, I, I, I believe anyway, you have to be careful in democracy. You, you can't get to the point where you got, you know, four wolves and one chicken voting on what to have for dinner. Well, that's well, but see, that's the that's the thing. It's not a it's not a democracy. We're supposed to be a representative republic. A representative republic is is, is when the chicken shows up with a gun and says, "I don't think so." <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. I mean, so that's the you know that's the thing is that there's supposed to be we, there are supposed to be inviolate rights that have nothing to do with government. The government can never acquire them because they never had them in the first place. And you can't you can't get rid of what you never had. So the you know that's the that's the whole difference between democracy and a representative republic. In a republic, there are things you, there are lines you can't step over, and it doesn't matter what your argument is or how many people agree on the other side that they should be stepped over. The answer is always no. Well, except it seems like big companies want to roll over those lines all the time. Well, they do, and, and you know one of the other things that's really nasty is now. In many firms, you now have, uh, they, they want you to sign an arbitration agreement before they'll hire you. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, is it enforceable? Well, I don't know if it's enforceable, but, it's, but you know, it's one of the things that they stick on the table. I, I know somebody who's dealing with that right now with regards to this, and that given this OSHA thing being smacked down, uh, you would think the first thing he'd, he'd be able to do is sue. Well, right? well, maybe not. He may have signed away his right to do that. Well, I mean, uh, one of my, some people on the trading floor I thought were sleaze bags, started uh, hiring somebody, hired people, and trained them to be traders, and they made them sign a non-compete. So one of my buddies is uh, an attorney, this is years ago. I said, hey, are, are these non-competes legit? And he said, well, uh, it depends. And I go, it depends right. on what? And he says, well... Depends on who you're competing against. He said, you have some crowds, because he knew something about the training floor. He goes, you have some crowds with five people, and if somebody, if you train somebody and back him, and all of a sudden he goes out on his own, and he's standing right next to you, you, you might have, you know, that non-compete. If you're, if you train a lawyer in Jackson, Wyoming, and there's one law firm, the, the, that non-compete might be enforceable, because, but it's real hard, to say in the city of New York where there's 50,000 attorneys or 100,000 attorneys that somehow that guy's competing with you. He said if the guy in the, in the telephone pit, if he leaves you and goes to, goes to trade in the OEX pit where there's 350 people, it's pretty hard to argue that somehow he's a, he's a competitive problem for you. So, but, but again, I, I mean, how does that stuff, I mean, it all made sense, but how, how do you determine where the lines are and who gets to do it? I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean to me it becomes pretty clustered. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the non-compete thing's kind of interesting because it's, it's something that we paid a fair bit of attention to back in the 90s when I was running my company. And it's, it, it, the, the general rule is that as long as the agreement is time limited and rationally connected to the, the legitimate, uh, commercial interests of the employer that they're enforceable. But, it, but the, the problem there is time limit. You, you basically, what you can't do is essentially Take somebody's knowledge and skill and say, by the way, forevermore you're working at Walmart. 
Okay? Yeah. You, you, you can't do that with a non-compete. If you try, it'll get struck. So there's, and some states have, have essentially eviscerated them. There's a lot of state law on this, and it's, it, it, to some degree it's state-specific. It's not just a federal question. Uh, in fact, most of the time it's, just, it's a state question because most employers, of course, are, you know, you're, you're working in a given place. Um, but yeah, it's, it, 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 there's there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on, um, and most of the time it makes sense. Not always though. Well, my I guess my point was if you read, uh, I should give these out as a Christmas gifts next year's annual this year to everybody on the show that you probably already have it. The Sovereign State of ITT, the first yeah. chapter or two should be must reading for any 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 seventeen year old or eighteen year old in this country. Where Harold Janine talks about what a bother governments are in their rules and how companies do a much better job and they don't have to put up with these little, little fiefdoms. And I, I'm gonna say, I, I don't think, I'll be nice and say if a, a company from Finland or someplace, not that I don't like Finnish people, buys a place here, they don't want to be bothered with that crap, right? And I'm sure somebody from China doesn't want to be bothered about being nice to employees because they aren't over there. I mean, it's well, yeah, exactly. So I mean I don't know how we how you know these these places get bigger than the government. I mean you know if the, you, you put not just because he's Joe Biden, you put the president in the middle of a room with the chairman of ten of these multi-company corporations, unless he has a you know a John Kennedy personality or maybe even Trump, uh, <laughs> but he has the personality where they have the knowledge. I don't know. I mean I don't, I don't know that the president carries the room. Do you? Well, I think a lot of it depends on exactly, uh, you know, where's, where's, where's the threat matrix look like? I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like I said, this, this situation that came up with CMS and, and all of this, um, we, we have created this monster. We took what was three to four percent of GDP in the economy and turned it into 20. Uh, we created a monster that essentially is, uh, you know, 20 years ago identified was going to eat the federal budget and destroy it. And, and yet, you know, then here comes a virus, and all of a sudden, oops, here we go. Here comes the bad side of essentially living in a company town, but, but, but unlike a company town, you can't move. Well, and so, you know, here we are now with this kind of thing going on. And if, and if you look at what happened with the, with the hospital protocols, and people, you know, being paid to do certain things because CMS said, well, you know, health and human services, if you do these things, you're going to get an extra $13,000. If you do this, you're going to get $25,000. You're going to get 20% on your entire bill if it's a Medicare patient and you have a COVID diagnosis. Right. And those and those things still stand today. Um, and the, the funeral I went, went to yesterday, uh, that was part of the deal. Yep. Were, and were, so that's, you know, that's the thing. And, and then you then you say, well... You know, we had all these people that died. Well, guess what? Every every hospital, as soon as you set foot in the door, they stick a swab up your nose. And do you know why? Because they, they want that extra 20%. I, I think that the uh, people are getting it in the hospital. Well, they are getting it in the hospital. When when this first started, I looked at the data that was that was coming out. There was a, We had a handful of cases in Minnesota. This was when it first began, the first month of 2020. And, and there was a cluster of cases among healthcare workers in Minnesota, and I said, it's going to explode in the state of Minnesota in seven to ten days. And sure as blankety blanket did exactly that. And you know where every one of those cases was contracted. Well, one of, one of my, uh, good friends, uh, is in the, um, well, you can tell what, what nationality, they're in the nursing home business big time. 
and they had a lot of the people who serve uh, dinners and so forth in nursing homes essentially moonlight from hospitals. So yeah. in, in one of their places, one of, uh, I think it was a guy, one of the guys shows up still in his hospital outfit. I don't know if, if uh, and somehow or another he served dinners in one, in one night. He infected 45 people in the nursing home. Yeah. It must, must have been a, like they, you know what else, which, which really bizarre, uh, one of the things about this particular COVID thing, which I, I, re- I read some stuff, Carl, that said, it, and this was a, a South Korea, uh, Singapore, you know, with a c- combined study. They think that like 90% of the people or 80% of the people who get COVID are only infected by 20 or 25% of the people. That they're, yeah, they're, they're it's, actually, it's the, the odd thing about this virus is that in a huge percentage of people, they're not actually contagious. They don't shed virus out their respiratory tract. And so, and, and, and the other thing is that, and, and there's another issue that I've talked about since it started, and it, it came out of two uh, sets of clusters of cases in China and Hong Kong, respectively. Uh, this this virus is in scat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they and, were testing and, in well, and the thing is, nobody wants to go there because all this mask stuff, all this you know, air filters, you know, that's completely worthless if it spreads through stuff that comes out your butt. Well, that's how they could test in colleges if if it was. Oh yeah, in the they're testing the wastewater. I yeah, mean, how yeah. can you possibly do that if it's not there? I know <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, so where do you uh, um, when do you think the Fed's going to have to start early? Or one of these days, they're going to come in and at t- ten o'clock. They're going to say they raised it half a point and scared the crap out of everybody, or what? Well, I think the first thing that has to happen is all these asset purchases have to get have to basically go to zero. So we'll see whether or not they really do that. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what, at the point, if you get a joint announcement, there'd be, boy, the, you know, the shockwaves. That'd, that'd be like, you know, a, a uh, you know, a 10 Richter. Uh, uh, the way you just, you just brought up, we don't have a couple of seconds here, but how much do you think they have to keep buying every month just to keep the, to keep the, if, if they stop buying everything and every, every interest check on your mortgage all of a sudden went to the Fed, every time you, uh, redeemed one, the money went back to the Fed, the sucking sound out of the economy would be, they have to buy a certain amount just to keep even, right? No, they're going to have to stop, and that's the problem. Is that that's that's where you're going to see the backup in the in the term structure, and, the, and watch the debt markets because that's where it'll show. Well, wow, I, I think the, the the balance sheet comes down rapidly if they don't buy anything. Well, they're going to have to. Boy, that's a so people are going to send their mortgage check in, and it's not going to go to the bank. It's not going to go. In, it's just going to disappear. Boy, oh boy. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, called deflation, right? Uh, man, oh man, I don't know if we can handle that. But uh, we, we may have to. Carl, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, well, I, I was able to wish you Happy New Year last Friday. We did a show last Friday. But Happy New Year again. And uh, happy, happy trading. SP Futures down 38. NASDAQ Futures down 135. Doesn't look good yet. Be back uh, on Monday. Uh, actually, on Tuesday. We're up. Monday is Martin Luther King's birthday. Back on Tuesday. Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727.
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.